Hey, I'm MJ Taller, also known as a black wine guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is MJ, and welcome to the Black Wine Guy Experience. My guest today is the multi-talented Amanda McCrossan. Um, Amanda is a Somalia. She's a media personality and a host of uh, Wine Access, their unfiltered podcast. She is also the creator and the host of the Instagram and YouTube channel. And she really is the Somme Vivant. And um, she was the former wine director at Press Napa Valley. And when she was there, she worked with the world's largest collection of Napa Valley wines, which is – we're going to get into that. That's yeah. crazy. And uh, she's a media personality. She's been featured on Psalm TV, Food Network, Wine Enthusiasts, Psalm Journal, Food and Wine. And that's just to name a few. So uh, <laughs> Thank you for only naming a few. Yeah. <laughs> Well, My palms get sweaty when <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't you like when people start? I'm like, who's that? And I think like, who's that? Um, hey, Amanda, welcome. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here, and I'm excited that you have insisted that we drink wine while while doing. Oh this. yeah, yeah. Anything you want to add to your 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 bio? I mean, I absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh my god. So yeah, um, we absolutely drink on the Black Wine Guy Experience because um, it's an experience, and this is about wine and. Uh, you and I connected through Instagram. Yes. Yeah, which is which is um, really cool. Very millennial of us. Yes, yes, um, yeah, and 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 you were following me before Black Lives Matter, so it was really cool. <laughs> oh well, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't like. Yeah, you, you, know, you weren't you weren't on the, the Black Lives Marketing tip. <laughs> Not part of the PR team that was like, hey, follow these ten people. Exactly. And yeah, get on the yeah, train. Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, Thank you for coming um, and thank you for bringing the wine. Tell, us, tell everybody about the wine you brought today. Yeah. Well, this was um, – so I am I am actually not in Napa Valley at the moment. Obviously, I'm here with you, but I'm also living on the East Coast. So I didn't have my full collection of wines, which made this a very fun experience for me because I don't, I don't buy a lot of wine. I, um, I want to be like you when I grow up. <laughs> I do well. I I buy so I, I'm a member of a couple wine clubs, mm-hmm. and then um, you know anything else that I do buy, I buy wine access. Um, and so living on the East Coast, I didn't have any wines to drink out here. So I just went on the wine access website, and I was like, these all look kind of interesting. I'm going to buy these wines, and they had this Occidental, which we're drinking now. And my first experience with it was about this time last year when I went out to Occidental. Have you ever had this wine? No, I know that it is Steve Kistler's. It's a Steve Kistler yeah, project. Yeah, yeah, it's his follow-up project after he departed Kistler yeah. and was really, really enamored by this, by Freestone Occidental and really, really far off on the Sonoma Coast. Um, and it's much, much cooler there, but it's a very, very cool place. And I went out to visit there with a friend of mine who used to be a sommelier at Alinea 
And she set up the whole experience and I was blown away. You know, you live in California for a period of time. And you're like, I know everything. <laughs> and I went out there and I tried these wines and I, they just, they, they got me. Yeah. I just, I had a moment with them and I was like, these are so unique and so different and so special. And I, from that moment on, I was like, you know, I, I, I had this opinion of California Pinot Noirs to an extent, but after tasting this, I was like, you know, I think I think maybe I, I missed one or two. So um, so anyway, so I saw that Wine Access had it and I ordered it and I, I had it in my my you know, I have a cellar there. So I had it in my k- kitchen pantry and <laughs> yanked it out and brought it up here because I, you know, it's been a while since I've had it and I'm happy to be drinking it with you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes. I had heard about this wine. Um and um freestone that's out that's like the phelps property phelps was like one of the first people out in freestone right yeah phelps does have a vineyard out there um who i mean it's it's a it's an area that is still still feels very wild yeah um it's very close to sebastopol if you've ever been to mm-hmm. sebastopol and that's where my favorite ramen spot is Good um to know. Good yeah to know. we went there after it's the best. It's called Ryman Gaijin. If you're ever out there again, you have to go. Okay. Um, it's better than any place in New York City. And I lived here looking for the best ramen place in New York City. It doesn't exist in New York. It's in wow. It's in Sebastopol. I threw it down. I, I know. She I stamped it. Gauntlet. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it's it's very cool. It's very breezy. Uh, you know, you've got basically one bluff. Hopefully, I'm not messing this up. You've got basically one bluff <laughs> blocking um those crazy winds that are, that are coming off the Pacific, but. Um, you know, this is their, just their freestone occidental and not entry level, but like generic blend. Um, and there's a few single, single cuvées that they do as well that are delicious. But wow. I mean, these wines are just yeah, crazy. Yeah. I'm, I'm blown. Cause someone said, you know, it's not as big as the Kistler's Pinot, but the color, no. but the color on this is amazing though. It's beautiful. And I'm yeah. getting really black raspberry fruit. And yeah, this is a, a bit of a departure. And we talked about that when I, Steve sat in on the tasting with us and, mm-hmm. um, as did his daughter, Kate, and we talked about that. And I think it was intended to be a departure from, from Kistler and that, you know, that well, style of wine that they made. And wow, it's not Burgundian. It's not Santa Barbara. It's not Sonoma. It's just like kind of its own. Yeah. Thing. That's, that's just good Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. Um, that really is. Yeah. Mm, 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 it's kind mm, of mm. bouncy, but like, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like you. It's kind of serious, but it's got like a comedic undertone, you know? Yeah. A little, a little stealth, a little something behind the eyes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All meant to be flattering and complimentary. <laughs> Don't blush. So tell me, um, I, I, you know, I've read, you know, I've been following you for a while. Great, great. First of all, I would say, like, no bullshit. Like, I saw your, 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 your IG and I was like, wow. And I saw your, your handle. I was like, this chick's got it. Like, oh. like, 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 I think you are, you're like one of the best, if not like content creators. There's a lot of people. I mean, do you consider yourself, I hate this term cause I'm a little bit old influencer. I mean, that's the term, but like I used, I noticed you use the term content creator. Like talk about like, how did, how, how did the idea for, um, Sam Vivant come about? Ooh, well. Uh, let's unpack that. Um, <laughs> well, back at you, and thank you very much. I the the word influencer is, I think, one that kind of makes us all cringe a little bit because yeah, um, yeah. I don't. I think when you think about influencer, like you're never trying to influence anything, right? And so, you know, by naming yourself that, it sort of implies that that's what the intent intent is, and that's not really what it is. Right. But it really stemmed from living here in New York City and wanting to get into the wine world and not really having an access point. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of us, we feel that way. I think yeah. for a lot of people who didn't grow up in the wine yep. industry, there's like, you know, how do I get into it? So living in New York and, and 
I was an actress. I was, you know, working the scene, doing the things. Yeah, theater or, or TV, everything. D, all of the above. Okay. Any work I could get. So I my background is in musical theater. So I have my degree in musical theater from... Uh, you can sing, huh? I can sing a little. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to have to have you back on the show, and it's going to be like a two-bottler. I'm going to need a stage <laughs> I with know. lights. Well, well we're, we're planning on moving up. There's a, you know, right now, you're, you're, thank you, you're like in the... Um, between two ferns editions of the black wine guy experience oh, we are well this is like very flirty in them because i've got palm trees yeah so that's nice um but uh yeah we'll, we'll have to talk that up so so musical theater cool musical theater so i have my degree i have my ba in musical theater which you know means nothing but it was a lot of fun um so i i worked the circuit in philadelphia and then up in new york and i got into film and tv one because it pays better but also it was something different mm-hmm. and i really liked it and was living in new york city had a side job at a place called the core club like not too far from here and got into wine via a sommelier who had left Le Bernardin to come work with us. And he was my access point. You know, even though we had nothing in common, he was French and like, you know. He was French. He I know. was French. He was French. I, that's yeah. like it. He yeah. was French. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I asked him questions and he he was the one that really opened all the doors for me. And, I, you know, I've I've told this story a few times, but I, I yeah. think he he is the one that opened it for me, but also he couldn't. He couldn't show me the way. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of had to find it for myself, and through that process, I realized that there was no avatar for me to sort of emulate. Like mm-hmm. there wasn't a person that I felt like I connect with in the wine world. And there were, you know, some great female female sommeliers and and you know great master sommeliers, but there was just no one that I identified with because you don't I didn't... you don't want to be like Chances. I love Jans, and I love I know, all I know of them. you love it. I know, but, I, I, but, but I mean, she's she's square, man. She's pretty square, you know? yeah. And I just, I don't. And know. She's amazing. She's brilliant. Yeah. And and, and maybe that's the maybe that's the thing for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't identify with like brilliant, brilliant yeah. women who can write no, the way she does. Listen, I I'm not that dumb, but you're obviously a very intelligent woman. But and then and then there is that whole. Then you have there's this other set of, in my 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 perception of, of the female psalm who's like like is is just you know no makeup just just yeah uh, you know flat shoot just just oh yeah i wasn't know, wearing just, a suit or like naturalizer right. yeah right. no it wasn't happening <laughs> right it was not no and like to this day i still i'm when i was at press i still really struggled with like the psalm uniform like i wouldn't work at a place that had Michelin stars that made me wear a suit because I was like, it's just not who I am. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, I mean, I I didn't feel like I could identify with anyone. And then I had this theater and film background. And so I was like, what if I started a YouTube channel? I don't know. Um, so, so I started a YouTube channel in New York. And it was called Unwind with Amanda. And I, you know, I think I filmed like two episodes or three episodes or something. And it kind of like fell off because I was – you know, in my late mid to late twenties and I was living in New York and wanting to do other things. Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, you get distracted. Yeah. It's easier. And then I moved out to California and I don't know, I felt like it was a new opportunity to showcase not only what I was doing in Napa Valley, but also to sort of pay homage to that person that I really wanted to get back to. And then it, it the third fold of that was I was working at present. People were asking me left and right, Hey, where should I go wine tasting when it comes to Napa Valley? Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any answers for them. And I was like, you know, there should be a compendium for this. There should be somewhere where someone could go and have some sort of picture image that they could get that if they were researching Napa Valley and, and wh- where to go and how to wine taste, that they could just, you know, go to this channel and it would be there. And that's really how it started. It was, you know, it solved a lot of problems for me 
it also created a lot of problems in the process because I didn't know how to shoot. I didn't know how to edit. Um, and then all of a sudden I was like this one woman band. But at the time I was in love with Casey Neistat and the content that he was producing. Gary Vaynerchuk had already done his thing. Yeah. And I was like, well, if Casey can put out a vlog a day, I can too. Forgetting that Casey has like a very deep background in making films and really great ones at that. And so I basically took his, I copied exactly what he was shooting with. I bought everything. I learned everything on YouTube. And I, I remember the very first day I started, I went, I filmed, I shot everything. I came home, I edited, and I did that for a full month straight. So I went to like 20, 20 something wineries in a month, shooting, editing, putting out content day after day after day after day. And that's how it started. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's I, exhausting just talking about it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but see, it's, it's also, it's, I think that it's real content. I mean, like, I, I think a lot of people, I mean, you can do a ton with your phone and you should, like, mm -hmm. you know, but, um, there's just a quality to the stuff that you put out that's, that's really, um, uh, phenomenal. And thanks. Yeah. No. And, um, so you, you had you working at a restaurant in New York, right? That were you? Did you go in as a server? I, I take it, or I did. I was, you know, a cocktail waitress, or <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was a private club, so it was like I had no. I, I still to this day, I remember this job interview. I was li still living in Philadelphia. I had gotten a place to live in New York City, but no job, and so it was like two weeks before I was supposed to move up here, and I started hunting Craigslist for jobs, and only one person got back to me. It was the core club. I took the bolt bus up to new york city the bolt, the bolt bus five man, bucks. rest in peace oh man <laughs> took the bolt bus up to new york city i gotta pause that must have been a, i mean the, any, the bus yeah anytime you're on a bus ride from philly to new york it must it's a quite it, it shows characters you know what i actually loved the bolt bus yeah it was like it wasn't megabus megabus was different that is where the characters live oh, but okay. bolt like always seemed to me to be a little bit more of a commuter train gotcha. so it was like more okay. i don't know <laughs> maybe i was just in my own bubble yeah, like putting know, on makeup yeah. or but, something yeah, yeah. um but i got i got <laughs> to new york i got to new york that day and i you know i went straight to the interview and another french guy of course did the interview and he gives me this like this test and i remember looking at him like i don't know a damn thing about anything and one of the questions was what is your favorite wine and i had worked this job at a french another uh, american bistro back home and these this couple went to napa like all the time they yeah. would always come back and bring wines with them and i remember they brought in a 2004 groth reserve i was like wow this is amazing and they had given me a taste of it so on that questionnaire or test that they gave you he was like what's your favorite wine it's 2004 groth reserve and that was like the only answer that i think was even a correct answer on that test <laughs> and directly after i wore a cute little black dress i was very bubbly and i'm sure very charming for this older frenchman <laughs> um and and you know tall heels and i emailed him after and i was like i'm so you know i know that i probably don't like fit exactly you know knowledge wise right. but, like i'm i'm smart i'm a fast learner like i'll do what needs to be done like please just give me the job and he did uh so that was like i went for the job on like a tuesday i heard back on friday that i got the job and then literally sunday moved in monday i started wow and that was my so i started as like a server cocktail waitress at okay. this private club that is still to this day the mo i think it's the most expensive private club in manhattan it's the most elite so it's fifty thousand dollars to join with like annual dues of some crazy amount and that just gets you in the door so I got to know some like pretty, pretty like important people in the world without really knowing yeah, like, what I was you're, doing. You're in there with like hedge fund guys. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. Yeah, so, you know, I'm like I'm researching like, Goldman yeah. Sachs. Right. You know? yeah. yeah. 
So that was my my first foray into wow. it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So then you move from cocktail waitress to. Yeah. How does one make yeah. the jump? So how do you make the jump? So your core club, <laughs> your cute little cocktail waitress. Yes. And then what? Uh, and then like. Well, so Arno starts. He's the sommelier from Libertadan. He okay. started at Core Club, and. Again, like I'm living in New York and I'm, you know, I'm sucking in all this culture. To me, I always pictured, do, do you know the musical Thoroughly Modern Millie or the, maybe the movie from like the 50s with Julie Andrews? Anyway, it's this, it's the classic tale of like girl Any black moves. people in it? No. I not probably didn't There's it. some Asians, but no. It's pretty old school. <laughs> maybe the remake. <laughs> so, so Midwest girl moves to, moves to New York City, stars in her eyes. She's very excited. And, you know, she just, like, wants to be – she wants to cuts her hair off right. and she, like, wants to be a woman of New York City. And that's kind of, like, how I saw myself. I was like, I am a woman of the city. Hear me more. Like, <laughs> let me embrace all this culture. And I felt like I sort of had a grasp on food, but wine was, like, this other thing. Right. And it just seemed to me after watching, you know, old movies and Catherine Hepburn and doing all the things that I was like, you know, if you're going to be a woman of the world, you have to know your wine. Yeah. And so I asked her, no – how do I like learn about wine? Like, can you recommend me some books? And he was like, no. And I was like, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so what should I do? And he said, well, you know, and his cute little like Normandy French accent. He, he was like, come back tomorrow with answers to these questions. And it was five <laughs> questions. And it was like, you know, what are the first five gross? What are the grand, the seven grand cruises should be? I don't know, but like, what's the most expensive dessert wine in the world? And so I came back. I remember researching. I had a, the only thing I could afford in New York besides rent was a membership to Equinox, and I refused to give it up. So I was like there, like riding my riding my bike at Equinox, like researching these questions. I came back with the answers to the question. He was like, "Great, here's five more." And that's like literally how it started. So I went from cocktail waitress to kind of being his little protege at the mm -hmm, club mm -hmm. to like I don't even know how much time passed. But then he he comes in and he's like, "So you start classes at the." American Somali Association in two weeks. And I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. And he was like, no, you are. And I was like, no, I have like auditions. Like I'm like doing the thing. He's like, yeah, I don't think so. You're, you should do this instead. And I did. And I, I just found myself going to auditions and going to less of them as time progressed. And it was a slow, gradual evolution. And I'll, the one thing I'll never forget is like, there is a moment when you switch careers. Cause I think a lot of people, most people don't start off in the wine business. Right. Most people start off somewhere else. Right. And so there is this moment when you go from one career to another where like you really feel like there is a, 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 a change of the guard, you know, and there's moments where I was up at night where I'm like, is it time to give up my dream or, you know, is this just like a different path? Mm. And I, I, there was like a lot of sleepless nights where I was like, I am kind of like moving away from this thing that I've been working a really long time on to try something else. And like, is this the right path? I don't know. But it just seemed at the time like, you know, New York is the city of opportunity. And this is probably only going to happen once. I could always go back and... So I did. So I took the path and then I felt like at some point I would circle back and get back into being in front of a camera or creating. It was really more about the creation for me. It, was, mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't really so much about like being the star of the show. It was like creating something new, being artistic and having that outlet. And so today, you know, it really is a combination of those two and, and thinking back to those to that girl who so badly wanted to be a part of this culture to the same girl who was like, am I giving up my dream to, you know, this person now that's had a career sort of in both and is combining them together. I love that. I think a lot of stuff there. Thank you. That's yeah. an incredible story. You know, <laughs> but unpacking some of that stuff. So I think a lot of people think um, uh, Seth Godin has a great book called The Dip. Yeah, I like and, Seth Godin. And um, in that book, he talks about 
um, just that, like, are you giving up? Like, there's 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 points in any journey where you're down, mm-hmm. um, but you got to know if it's a dip or or if it's time to abandon. Mm. And actually, I think too many people. I think it's it's probably fifty fifty. I think there's a lot of people who should stop what they're doing, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a, a, other people who it's just a dip and they don't push through. Yeah. Um. So it's really cool. And then something else you said. And then you're a big marketer. I mean, you're you're um for la- I mean, you're a marketer. Let's just be honest. We're all marketers, yeah, right? We we are in an era where everyone right, is. A, right, you are right. a tech company and a marketing right, company, right? So James Altucher, he said he has this thing the. Idea sex. So you, when you know, you had like, I'm, 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 I'm a thespian. I'm an actor, and I like to create, and I, but I like wine. And now, and then when you, and the best, he says, some of the best, you know, most profitable businesses and the most fulfilling come when you, when idea sex, mm-hmm. you got two ideas, and you can find a way to blend them together. Yes. So it really seems like you're doing that in a big way. Oh well, it was purely accidental, I assure you. But yes, that seems to be the the intersection that we're all at today. Yes. You know, trying to find all of these different things and put them together and hope it sticks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so that's really cool and so you uh went to your psalm classes and then how long did you stay at the the private club um i was probably there another year and change and then i ended up getting uh, a job as the head sommelier for a place i had absolutely no business being a head sommelier at um well it was just a restaurant with like a you know pretty decent wine list it was part of the the, a restaurant group, but I had no like real sommelier experience. Like I literally got the job and they were like, here's your wine list. Here's your restaurant. Have fun. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> like I don't, I just like took some classes. Like at that point you still have like massive amounts of, especially with wine, massive amounts of insecurity. Oh yeah. So, you know, I, I say no business, but like I really, there were like many nights where I was like, I would be on the floor, like with a wine list, and then I'd run back to go research something. And it was like that was my life for like a really long time, where I was like, "Fake it till you make it." I guess uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah. They probably know less than I do, so I'm just gonna bet on that chance. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting thing because um, when I was when I first started in the wine business <clears throat> in the the late '90s, um, like it was you didn't there was people didn't become psalms like yeah. they didn't become master psalms. You knew wine, you got a job at the restaurant. Yeah, and and you were the you became the song. You were the wine person. Yeah, yeah you're the wine person. Yeah, and like and then like all of a sudden, <clears throat> that's changed. So now you have people like, uh, people. Oh, I'm a whiskey one, a whiskey two, and I'm mm-hmm. like, so the fuck what, man? You haven't tasted any fucking real wine. Just yeah. taste the ones for your fucking test. That's right. You know, like I'm you, really glad that you can blind taste. Yeah, exactly. You blind Australian tasted twelve Shiraz. wines. Yeah, <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> you, and, you know, and then a lot of those people are like I can't get a job because because well, one I think you mentioned. It's actually very tough to get in this business. It it is yeah. It, it, it um, a lot. Of, I mean, just well, shit. Just about everybody I know nowadays. You know, it's who you know. It's like it's always been. It's like who you know can get a job. Who you know. I mean, and, it's pure and, luck. And, and just like anything. I mean, I went to law school. Like you know, who got better jobs? Kids who went to Ivy League law schools or whose friends' parents had law firms. Mm-hmm. Right? They're the ones who came out painting, mm-hmm. get, get six figures. Like you, you see shit on TV. I'm going to make money. No, you're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so there is that aspect. Um, and then, um, and then like being able to do work. I mean, like you were like, you're like, you're running in the back and like <laughs> looking stuff up. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's true. Like I, I, I attribute all of this to just nothing but luck and like being 
at the right place at the right time. And I don't just mean in those moments. I mean, like, you know, the home that I was born into, the mind that I lucked into, like the chances that I happened to take, like all of it is just pure dumb luck. And the fact that I, I've gotten the experiences that I've gotten, it has nothing to do. I mean, did I work hard? Yeah. But like, again, like I'm just lucky that I have a good work ethic, Yeah, you know? So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think um, it, it's it's always fun to like go back and look at the the sunny side of the journey and right. like you know the funny parts that make you laugh now. But yeah. like the reality was like it was a slow burn that most nights like I left crying because I was like I don't know what I'm doing and like I just gave up career for this so why? Um, but then there were nights like you know I'd I'd leave the restaurant and I'd go to a wine shop and I I could feel myself starting to gain a better grasp on wine in general like i could go into a wine shop and i'd be like all right that is a chardonnay from sonoma therefore it must taste like this right and that was sort of the moment where i was like this kind of feels like what i wanted it to feel like because for me i really only ever got into like i didn't get into wine because i wanted to be a sommelier i got into wine because i wanted a better understanding and appreciation of the world right to me it was an access point Mm. wine was wine is a backdoor to everything you want to be a part of Mm -hmm. and you know place like i didn't i grew up in like a you know pretty normal neighborhood like white suburbia outside of Philadelphia, but like I didn't have access to private clubs. I didn't have access to like, you know, crazy chateaus in France. And to me it was like, all right, well, if you want to like feel like you're in a fairy tale, like this seems like a pretty good way to do it. So I sort of, I lucked into it and then I faked my way there and, here I am today. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I'm the black guy, white guy experience. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and, and, but that's so true. It's, it's, it is, it is an access point and it does, open up worlds that you don't even know exist. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and, and you hit the nail right on the head. I think, you know, I used to be a big, uh, success guy and I still, you know, I used to read a lot of success books and I still do. I'm, I'm really into growing myself cause I always, you know, trying to figure out why is that person successful? Like, like, you know, people go to college or don't go to, and you're like, why, what, what separate what makes mm-hmm. people successful? And, the most overlooked factor is just luck. Mm-hmm. Like the, like the genetic lottery. Who, Total genetic like, lottery. Like, like who you were born to, you know, where you're born and, and, you know, like, and like you said, just dumb luck being in the right place at the right time. If I didn't go to that party at Wesleyan, I wouldn't have met that person. And I wouldn't have met John. You know what I mean? Like literally yeah. it's, it's, it, it is just dumb luck. No. And it, it's all, I mean, by the grace of God, go I. I mean, yeah, it like yeah. truly is. I'm so grateful to have what I have, but also like, I know that there are people who want what I have that can't get it just be, just because they weren't afforded the same yep. opportunities, yep. you know, whether that's being born into a different socioeconomic class, whether that's they were born, you know, a, a, a black female and they, you know, can't get the opportunities that I got because we don't look the same. Yep. Um, and so I fully recognize that so much of what I have is, is luck and yeah. the genetic lottery is just explained. yeah, yeah. It, it's so it's 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 great that you like have that um the humility and like everybody who's been on the show so far has very been very humble like well, that's but, good you know it means you're doing the, a great job selecting guests know, yeah i so, know so just just my <laughs> go ahead and brush your shoulders <laughs> off um and then so you're having the success in new york and you're you're you're, you're feeling confident on your on your feet you said you know you're going to wine so it's like mm-hmm. oh hey that's that's a russian river valley you know so then um how did california happen well, there was a step in between and Perfect. Ag- again, this like goes back to, well, it was sort of luck, but it, it was also sort of like 
I kind of knew that I wanted to work at this place. So my parents were coming to visit and I was like, let's go to dinner at this place, which is Sir Georgette. And because I, re- I thought the the two people who owned it were just like so badass. So it was Georgette Farkas who had worked for Daniel Balud for many, many years. Um, and then it was also Katina Pappas of Pappas Brothers. Uh, her family owns Pappas in, in Texas. Okay. And so they, you know, they had this like new restaurant. And I was like, this is really cool. It seems really awesome. And like, I think they're just like doing the right things. So we go to dinner there and I don't know why I like felt like I was going to get a job there, but I just did. And so we're sitting at dinner and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like yakking it up with Georgette. And at the end of the dinner, she gives me her card and she was like, Hey, if you know of anyone that might be looking for a sommelier job, let me know. Like wink, wink. Yeah. And I was like, okay, sure will. Um, so I leave and I email her like immediately. <laughs> And I got the job. I got – I then I was the sommelier, which is Georgette. Like it really was just like I – I don't know if that was like, you know, manifest destiny or like yeah, <laughs> whatever you want yeah. to call it. But I just like – I set it all up and I was like, I'm doing it. So I – yes, I worked at Georgette's for – I don't know, a year and a half or two years or something. Um, but I, you know, it was a smaller wine list and it was a great opportunity. Um, Jean-Luc Ledoux, uh, who for, before he passed away on Ledoux's wine shop and worked for, um, Daniel Balut for also for many years. So he was sort of the, the guy who designed the original wine list and then was also the person I would bounce ideas off of. So it was sort of collaborative to an extent, but I was still a one man team and I wasn't real. I didn't feel like I was growing, um, outside of, you know, the few classes that I was taking. And I, I felt like the best way to grow, as a professional is to work with people obviously who are better than yourself. So I started looking around for other opportunities in the city, got a job at uh, Gabrielle Cruther's new restaurant at the time, turned it down. And I was like, all right, well, that's like the best new restaurant opening in New York City right now. So if I'm not going to take that job, maybe I got to get out. So I started looking at jobs out in California and Saw that uh, Bouchon was hiring a wine director, applied for that position, knew a friend who like knew some people out in California. And I let her know. I was like, hey, if you know of anybody that like works there, let me know just like, you know, so they can put in a good word. And she was like, oh, actually, no, um, Scott Brenner, who used to work at Oriol, he runs press. I'll just run it by him. So anyway, so she um, she calls a friend of his. And anyway, so we get connected and Scott's like, screw Bouchon. I need to saw him here at press. Come work for me. So I ended up, I'd only been to Napa Valley once before that. It was like nine months prior. I'd spent two days there. I flew, I talked to Scott on the phone. I flew out two weeks later. I staged for two nights. And on the plane ride home, I emailed him and I was like, I would love the opportunity to work with you guys and got the job. That night I gave my notice at Georgette's and three weeks later I was living in Napa Valley. (laughs) (laughs) But you'll appreciate this living in New York. So the deal was, it was like, it was like mid to end of it was like mid June and my lease was expiring July fifteenth, so it was basically like spend ten thousand dollars to find a new place to live or yeah pick your ass up and move across I'm, the coast. Yeah, move to Napa Valley. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's so funny. Yeah, so that's how I got to Napa. Um, and I, you know, I didn't know. I to me it was like a stepping stone. It was like I'm gonna go. I'm gonna work at this place. We'll see what happens. And I had no idea the enormous amount of opportunities that were gonna be laid out at my feet. And working with Scott, working with Kelly working in the epicenter of the wine. Like I just totally ignored the fact that I was going to be in the epicenter of one of the most famous and world-class wine regions in the world. And I was going to be at the place that had the largest wine list where everybody would come to visit. So like it didn't even occur to me until I was on the floor and and, like Robert Parker's walking through the door and I'm like, oh, dumbass. Like (laughs) (laughs) – 
No, I... Probably good that I didn't know that, uh, but like, you know, yeah. at the same time, it was like, how could you not have figured that out? It, well, you know, when you're in it, you know, when you're in it, you're in it. Yeah. You know, a superstition is not a superstition when you're in it because you believe it, right? So, yeah. Um, and I totally get that. I mean, when I was when I moved out to California way, way back, way, 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 way back when you were probably like in third grade, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, you know, before, before Santa Barbara was the darling of all the Psalms, yeah. you know, when it, when it was like, oh, hi, yeah. it was about ABC, you know, yes. it was about Cupe still back then. I mean, the old school, Zach Mesa, you know, and then, and other people were popping up. I mean, Joey Tinsley just had started when I moved out to Santa Barbara. Wow. Um, but uh, you don't realize. I mean, you know, when you moved it, when you moved to California, wine country, like, and you work at a restaurant, mm-hmm. winemakers come in all the free. I mean, you meet everybody. Yes. Like you don't. You, you don't like it's 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 like you it's know like Disney World. You see oh, Mickey yeah. Mouse every night. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh yeah, that's Fred Brander, and and oh and that's and that's Keith Nick. I mean, like oh and that's Jim. I mean, they just come in and have lunch and they bring wine and I mean, it's just yeah. like. And then, you know, and there's and there's all different cultures. You know, Santa Barbara's got different culture from you know, but yeah. but Napa is you know, Judgment of Paris. I mean, King Cabernet. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it's it's it's. I mean, it's just it must have been banana. I mean, you you you're. What's what's that? What's that? A uh, famous little um, grocery store out in uh, Sunshine. Yeah. 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 But you you just walk down the street and you're like, you know, <laughs> it's oh, so true. You know, it's oh, there's true. Andy Beckstoffer. Like, a dude owns all. I mean, like like you like. Yeah, and you're and and it's kind of good to be naive because you don't want to be starstruck, but but it, it also can be like like I I missed a lot of opportunities because I was just like blah 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 you know like yeah. whatever I'm I'm drinking wine in California you know so I I was kind of I wasn't as focused as you were but I totally understand that when you're like you know taken for granted like like when someone in California and wine country says you're my wine person like you're legit. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, no, it's true. It's it's a weird culture out there. Like I didn't I didn't expect to love it as much as I did. You know, you you live in a town like Sinalina and it's tiny. You yeah. know, it's a super, super it's a country. Town. It's the country, you know, there are no commercial businesses in Sinalina by law, except for banks, because why not? Um <laughs> and but beyond that, like, you know, your grocery store is sunshine, you've got Steve's hardware, you've got the cameo cinema, like you don't have AMC's and Ace Hardware. Like it doesn't well actually Steve's owned by Ace, but that doesn't count. Um <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like you don't have this this big school feel of living in New York City. And so when I moved there, I was like, all right, small town, whatever. But you forget who it's inhabited by. Mm -hmm. The greatest entrepreneurs of our industry live in your tiny little town. Mm -hmm. And not only are you getting to like rub elbows with them, like they become your friends Mm -hmm. because who else are you going to be friends with there? Like Mm -hmm. that's your people. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you have situations like 2017 or even like now and and your community keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller and tighter and tighter and tighter. And that really is like what for me has shaped my career probably more than anything is the the friends and the network and not only that, but like you know, you're you're talking to them on an everyday basis. You're feeling this industry, you're experiencing the seasons. And so all of a sudden, all of these things that you're starting you were learning in books that you were, you know, sitting in the classroom studying, like they're becoming very tangible for you. You feel them every single day. And then from that, I felt like I was starting to form my own opinions, not only about you know, wines, but the people who are making them. And that started to inform my decision, my buying decisions mm-hmm. and how I was recommending things. And like, whether we like it or not, this is a psychological industry. Oh, like, totally. You're only going to buy the wines that like from the people that you, you really like. like. Yeah. That's what my, my, the dude I worked for, uh, in, in, in Santa Barbara, Montecito, he said, listen, he said, 
people don't buy from the company they buy from you yeah. right so and and it becomes like you're like oh he's such a dick like they want you like you won't buy like if that winemaker's a dick you're like oh he's a fucking dick yeah not buying his wine you know it could be good you know and and it's so true it's so relationship driven it's so um personality driven and that's why you have to have a good personality as well it does help you know? i suspect <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> I only have this one, but it's gotten me pretty far. Yeah, yeah it's doing it's just it's just it's doing right by you. Yeah. Um and and then you you know, so you're uh you're out there, you're at press, you're you're rubbing shoulders with people. Um talk to me about the largest collection of Napa Valley wines. Oh, so again, like one of those things that I don't think I realized until I got in there. Like I knew that it was, I knew that it was the world's largest, deepest collection of Napa Valley wines. I knew that. I didn't know, like, I, I don't know, I don't know why I didn't think about it. I just didn't. But I didn't realize until I got in there and I started selling wines that I was like, oh, like we're selling '60s Ingle Nook. Like nobody, and that was part of Instagram too. I didn't realize that like this was unique to me. Like most people don't get to do this. Yeah, I was, I was, I was like, damn. <laughs> It's like, shit, they're having 74 Heights Marthas. I genuinely, like, I, I mean, I started posting these things because I was like, this was also, you know, before it was like gauche to post bottles that you were serving, which I still don't think is gauche, but whatever. <laughs> um, this was like, a, I just genuinely excited. I was like, this is my job. Right, like, right. I get to open like 68 BV George Latour, 74 Heights Marthas, this 69 Chapelet out of fucking Magnum. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, this is bananas to me. And so it was just a genuine diary and exploration and like wow, i'm so excited but i also like i can't believe this is happening yeah um and so that's kind of like what the instagram outlet was for me it was it was these it wasn't just tasting the wines it was the stories and the events that were transpiring around them right. so it was like it was about the wine but it was also about the night and who was drinking that wine right because it like especially oppressed like it wasn't just the 68 bbh george latour it was like robert parker ordered that bottle so robert parker is drinking the 68 george latour that was under challenge favorite one that they ever made like again like incomprehensible so what was it like i mean it was um it was daunting it was over very very overwhelming so the moment i got to napa valley i had only really ever worked with european focused wine lists so mm -hmm. like my producer knowledge was like a little bit of Corison. um like what do we, i don't know what, what do we got out here in in new york it was like Corson, like a little bit of like Maya Thomas, um, Flora Springs, like it was very limited, mm -hmm. like very, very limited. Mm -hmm. And I was walking into not only the world's largest Napa Valley win list, but like the people who had potentially had a hand in them. Yeah. So there was no bullshitting. It was, you got to know your stuff or you're going to be in a lot of trouble because also like Scott and Kelly knew their shit. They had done all of their research. Ke Kelly had written the freaking book. So it was like their reputation was on the line. My reputation was on the line. And I'm like, you know, in this place where like if you say the wrong thing, like you're going to get called out and you're never going to be trusted again. So like hunker down and start learning. So it was very overwhelming because at the time Kelly's book had, hadn't had even come out yet. So I remember one of the first nights I worked there, I tucked her away in a corner and I just started asking her questions. Like, and I was like rapidly writing things down because I was like, eventually she's going to like tell me to like shut the fuck up. <laughs> and she did in a very nice way. And so finally she was like, I'm actually getting a little parched. Like, I think I need to stop. And I was like, okay, sorry. Like, we'll start. But I literally like vintage after vintage after. I was like, what was 69? Like, what was 70? Like, what was 71? Like, and how does it differ between Mount Vitor versus the Valley Floor? And she would deep dive with me into that. So, it, you know, it was an overwhelming amount to learn 
I learned it as quickly as I possibly could with the best possible resources. But to this day, like I, I still think there's only a handful of us that have the deep knowledge that Scott, Kelly, myself, and the Psalms that I've worked to press. I mean, it just, you don't get that kind of knowledge without working with that kind of wine list. And it was a privilege. I mean, truly, like, I don't think, you know, a moment like that will ever come around again because those wines, they used to be, you know, plentiful. When right. You have to remember when Scott and Kelly started that program, nobody was drinking old Napa Valley wines. Maybe they were drinking 74 Heights Marthas, probably 69 uh, Chapelet. But nobody was drinking, like, you know, old Mount Veters, like no, they're old Con Creeks, uh, old Cuvées on, like even like Spring Mountain. Like, I, yeah, I think there's oh so God. many. I mean, you know, that's when you start naming the names, I think we, because I came up like in the big cult era, but people forget. I mean, like, like Spring Mountain. I mean, all these just Cuvées on, Cotevon. Yeah. Right. Like, um, yeah. like Frog's Leap. Like people don't, like these, these wines, yeah. you know, Frogsley, estate wines, you know, and you know what are they like seventy bucks? Like, and and if, yeah. it, if it was if a new winery, it'd be like five seventy. Yeah. And 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 and, and you know that that whole dot com thing kind of blew everything up, and you know, but like those 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 wines like are like Chateau Montalena, mm-hmm. like those are the wines that put Napa yeah. and California in the map. Yeah. And. Impeccably stored yeah. vintage that I like, and it's just like anything else. It's just like with French wines, just like with Burgundy and Bordeaux. Older wines are they're scarce, they're fine and rare, so they're yeah. that, that they're running they're running out, right? Yeah. So so then what do you do? You become a psalm and you push natty wines because you'll never get to taste in these wines. <laughs> oh, poor kids! I know, poor kids. Um. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's and and like I, I'm like, oh my god, you know, you just start like. Uh, Diamond Creek. Oh yeah. my God. It's just like, you're like, oh my, you know, with all their single vineyards and, and we still know about, but you know, oh my God, you must add like crazy Ridge in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like old Zinfandel. Like people are like, what? Zinfandel can age? Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it's true. Like I, I think there were a lot of misnomers that were very quickly righted for me just by way of tasting these old these old wines that were bountiful in the cellar at the time. I mean, it was... Stony a, Hill Chardonnay. Yeah, old I mean, California Chardonnay. We had Stony Hill Riesling and Chardonnay go back to the 70s. Like, yeah. no problem. Like, full verticals. No problem. And we were just opening it on the regular. Like, no big deal. And so it was this blip in time where, like, you know, nobody was drinking this stuff. It was readily available because nobody was interested in it. So Scott and Kelly were, like, buying it by the tanker load. It was dirt cheap. Right. And so then, you know, it, it sort of... It sort of got its own its own rhythm, like it you know it became a thing, um, and I don't know. Maybe it took out. I think over the last like five ten years, it it has started started to ramp up for sure in popularity. But like, I still remember when we were getting Diamond Creeks, like seventies Diamond Creeks for like two hundred bucks a bottle. Yeah. Like, and Chapelet people. I mean, first of all, great family. Met yeah. Cyril's a really nice guy. I met yeah. Cyril, but like very big fan of Molly myself. Yeah, yes, they're all great. Yeah, of course you're. Fan of. <laughs> but like Pritchard Hill, like who's his neighbors? Who moved yeah. in after them? Right, yeah. and like charges a thousand dollars a bottle. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. It's it's been it's fun to see the evolution and like the personalities because it all makes sense. I think once you start meeting the people, it all makes sense. Right. Why does Frog's Leap cost the way it costs what it does? Well, go meet John Williams and Jonah Beer. Yeah. Mostly John. Yeah. Jonah, I think, would probably love to charge more, but he doesn't. But John, you know, you meet John and you're like, that makes sense. Like that, that I, yeah, that registers. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, you meet these people and you're like, all right, well, they've been doing it for so long. And even like, you know, you meet like Chuck Wagner from Cayman and you're just like, it all makes sense. All of these brands now have a person behind right. and them. Once you see that, right. And once you see that and you meet them, you're like, that makes sense that that costs a thousand dollars. That makes sense that it costs $70. Like right. it all starts to kind of come together for you. Um, and it bring you know, brings the Valley together in a way that I don't think learning it from a book could have for me. Yeah. Yeah. You can learn that. And that's the thing also. Um, you don't learn your lesson by reading. It's good to read books. It's great. Yeah. But, um, you have to have a foundation. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have a foundation because you can't be like, what's this we drink it on? Um, but (laughs) you have to, uh, but you, you know, it, it's, 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 it's exercising the palate. It's going, it's working. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, and, 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 and it's, like you said, it's being around the right people. You know, you, you said something earlier. It's like, probably heard you know if you're the smartest person in the room you're in the wrong room and then like you become the five people you spend the most time with so look at the five people you spent the most time with when you're at press right the coolest look, look at your wine knowledge right off the chain right and 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 also you know when i moved out to california and you took because you said when you were in new york it was very european centric your wine list you 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 know yeah i think for most of New York, kind of. No, is. it is. Yeah. But I was, when I went moved out to California, I was blown away by how once you meet, like when you meet, no, whatever, real wine people, when you, when you get out to like wine country, mm-hmm. like they had like it all too. They got Burgundy, they got Bordeaux, they got their yeah. Rhones, like they, they're drinking German Reasons, like it's pretty amazing. Like, mm-hmm. like because they're studying, they're doing wine studying. How do you study? You taste yeah. wine. I mean, so they're not um, uh, just drinking California wines, but, um, but I was amazed by, um, like the, the amount of uh, European wine, because I that was that was my. I mean, when I was here, I really loved California wines, and I I'm, I'm I love California wines. I think it's I think it's the best wine country, wine growing region in the world. I get I get I love all wine. I'm sure you do too. I love Rhone. I love Spain. I love, but but California is just ridiculous. California is awesome. I'm so glad to hear you say that because I think you're a bit of an anomaly in that way. Like when I was in New York. It wasn't cool to drink California wine. Yeah. It was, you know, it was a bit of a, it was kind of a faux pas. Like you had a few cool right. ones on the list, like to show that you were worldly. But right. beyond that, it was like, right. if you don't have Jamais, get the fuck out. Right. Um, and I think for me, being able to develop my own appreciation and my own opinions about this very world-class wine region was probably the the thing that has shaped my career the most and the thing I'm I'm most grateful for because... You know, when you're in your 20s, I think, well, I, I don't think it's an age specific thing. I just think in general, like you get to a point where opinions start being made for you. Mm-hmm. And if you let that settle in too long, they never really change. And so I'm fortunate. I feel like that I had, I took that leap when I did to mm-hmm. be able to sort of eradicate some of the misnomers and stereotypes that had before they had solidified. Right. No, that makes sense. It totally makes sense. So you've had like crazy amounts of success. Well, for, well, I mean, I mean, for, I mean, yes, but <laughs> Thank yeah, you. I mean, but I mean, I, I know for my own self, like, I mean, you, and, you know, you make it look easy. I, I just watched the movie, the pursuit of happiness again. You ever seen the movie pursuit of happiness? I love, I love it. Yeah. Movie. I love it too. It's just, it, I always cry too. Um, I know, I know what's going to happen, but the scene where at the end where he wins the, uh, internship and they yeah. go, they say to him, uh, was it as easy as it looked? He said, no. <laughs> so obviously <laughs> I mean, people see you and you're the zombie hunt and you're beautiful and you're smart and you're funny and you're, you're creating this great content. But I actually, I remember a pre- you did a post one time, something about um, like sexual harassment, misogyny in the business. Yeah. Like, so tell me about like, what are some of the, like, tell me some of the, the things you had to overcome on this journey. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that was um, that particular post happened after a pretty ugly night at press, and I think. And this know, was even before me too. I remember just you, you just went. <laughs> I think it was before me. Yeah, too. Well, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was like It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. 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 yeah it. I don't know. I think. The hospitality industry, there is an ugly, ugly mark on it, not just for women, for men too, where, you know, you're sort of subservient in all aspects um, and guests sort of feel entitled in a way. It's not all of them, but, you know, a select handful um, of, of bad apples. And I think it just got to a point where I felt like enough is enough. Like I am serving you wine and that is it. Like I'm not here to be someone that you like can manipulate and caress and like you can't touch my ass. Like it's inappropriate. I don't care if you're buying thousands of dollars of, of wine. Like it's inappropriate whether we're here or like, you know, whether I'm at your house. I would never go to your house, by the way. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I think it was just it was more of a reflection on the industry than like a. I mean, I, I shared my personal experience because I felt like it was important to yeah. give it some context. But I also felt like it was just this plague on the industry. And I'm not sure if it ever will change. I, I'm, I'm hopeful that it will. But it it felt to me like it was a moment where we could, at least as owners of businesses, ask for more, you know, demand more respect, stand up for your employees when they're being mistreated, mm-hmm. whether that's being screamed at by a guest inappropriately mm-hmm. or whether that's being touched inappropriately or, you know, whatever that is, like as an owner, as a manager, like it's your responsibility to protect these people and there has to be repercussions. And so it felt to me like that was the time to just say, here's where I stand. It's not okay. And for anyone else in my restaurant that's feeling this way, like you let me know and I will make sure that it's handled. And I I have to give Samantha Rudd, who uh, is the owner now of Press, a lot of respect because that moment when it happened, she reached out immediately and she was like, no, this is not okay. Like, that person can be removed immediately. You have my full support. And it, I think, I don't know if it was just because I had been at the restaurant for an extended amount of time or if I had, I've been in the industry long enough that I felt like I could say something, but it meant a lot to me that she said that, but I think it also meant a lot to a lot of other women and other men in the, in at press specifically who subsequently came up after and like would have issues and they would come to me about them and say like, what can we do? And they were fixed and they were rectified. And so that was really meaningful to see actual progression happen um, in an industry that I didn't, I didn't expect it to. It was just more of like a state of the state of the union address, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if, if that was a hurdle so much as just like, just like a shitty thing that happens in our industry that we needed to be aware of. Uh, hurdles for me happen every day. I mean, you said it earlier, like you, <laughs> you wake up, some days are, are awful and some days are great. Um, and it, as an entrepreneur, especially now, like I have really, really dark days and I have really, really good moments. And like, it's just that constant ebb and flow of like <laughs> knowing that you're going to get through it if you, you know, just keep keep working, keep working. Like it's not all going to be good. And I think that's the ugly side of entrepreneurship or really like any journey, professional journey or personal journey that it's not all sunshine and lollipops and roses. Like it's ugly sometimes and it's hard. And sometimes the calls come in, sometimes they don't, sometimes projects work out, sometimes they don't. Um, (laughs) You know, and like she thought of a very specific one there. I could just tell. (laughs) It's true. You know, and like, I think, you know, if there's one thing that I can say, it's 
I I feel like I am a lot more confident than I than I was before in saying no to things and being and knowing exactly what I want out of a partnership. You know, whether that's, you know, with a winery or with a client or whatever it is, like I know what I want and I'm not willing to sacrifice. And so my hard no's are my hard no's. And they're well welcome to work with me or not work with me. Right. Um and that, you know, that may seem a little bit harsh. It's you know, certainly not a, a, the aggressive stand that I want to take. Um but I think I just got more comfortable in my ability to say no. And that has sort of weakened the lows to some extent because it doesn't become so emotional. It's just like, this is what we're doing. This is how it works. And so those highs and lows become more, um, less emotional and more, um, I don't know what the opposite of emotional is, but it's that. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think I, I, what I'm hearing you say is first of all, I, I don't know where I read it. Like I said, I've done all this Success reading. Mm-hmm. Um, get some more wine in that glass, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, every uh, you every uh, every time you say yes, you know you, you got to you got to do like a thousand no's, and people don't understand yeah. that. Like like if you say yes, if you keep saying yes, you're never going to get anything done. You will not. No, you you're, you're worried about other people's um, path, and and I'm not and I'm not. It's not selfish to know where you want to go who you want to work with and how, you know, and what's going to get you there. And, 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 um, so that's, you know, bravo. And also it's subtraction, right? Like most things get better with subtraction, not addition. Yes. Right. Take, you know, it's like most things don't need more cowbell. They actually need a little bit less. Right. So, you know, that's that famous, that's that famous, uh, SNL's good. Yeah. Christopher Walken. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, that's that famous, um, meme or whatever quote attributed Michelangelo with David is like, I just took away everything that wasn't David. Right. So you're building a masterpiece. It was about removing things, mm. not adding things. Mm-hmm. Right. And, 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 and with wine, think about it, like a lot of the best wines are their minimal intervention. You know, just, it's made in the vineyard. You, all the, all the futzing goes around in the vineyard. Yeah. Then, you, you know, yeah. And once the grapes, the grape, then that's it. That's it. You yeah. know, so that's really cool. Now you also, so like, I was digging your stuff, but then I was like, I was like, oh my god, this chick is a badass. Uh-oh. You no, you had Ga- <laughs> Gary Vaynerchuk came on like did something live with you. So okay, How, yeah, yeah. So that was, um, back when he was launching Empathy, um, right, right, which he sold for an undisclosed amount yes. to Constellation Brands. Yeah, I'm sure they're crushing it. I know. Um, Talk about which is the name of his book. Yes. See what she did there. Yeah. See what she mm-hmm. did there. Uh huh. Yeah, on the fly. Oh, that's right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so he was launching Empathy, and I okay. So oh, this is how it went down. So this was this was a this was fun. So I'm at press. It's a Sunday night, and our AGM is in the office, and he's like, "I just got this call from this guy, Gary." (laughs) (laughs) Literally, literally, this is the with like 20 million followers. This is is some guy, Gary. Some guy, Gary. They want to come film. I told him no. I was like, <gasps> I was like, what? What do you mean, Gary, Gary? Who? I was like, what do you? What did they want to film? He was like, I don't know, but like I said, like you know, we couldn't have them film in the restaurant. I was like, what? What Gary was it? And he was like, Gary was something. I was like, Vaynerchuk, and he was like, Yeah, that sounds right. And I was like, What? Why did you say that? And I was like, Well, because it's it's unprofessional. We can't have them filming the restaurant. I was like, We have thirteen covers on tonight. This guy has a ridiculous amount of followers. They can do whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> So the so the crew walks in the door and it's him, it's John Troutman, me and D Rock, their um their uh, camera guy, and I recognize all of them because I've watched all their content. They sit down and I pull D Rock aside and I was like, "Hey, I know that that guy over there said you can't. I'm telling you, you can." <laughs> and 
do whatever you want. You want to go in the wine cellar, you want to sit on a table, whatever the fuck you want. And he's like, great. Thanks so much. So anyways, Just don't grab my ass. Yeah. No, that's a hard no. Um, <laughs> so, so they, you know, they're super respectful. And I also have seen how these guys operate. So I know that this is not going to be like keeping up with the Kardashian style. Right. You know, right. lights going up, the whole right. thing, right. like, you know, people going crazy. So they do their thing. I serve them some wine. I end up, you know, connecting with John and with Nate and I think with D-Rock. I'm not sure. Um, so anyway, I, I connect with John. And uh, months later, they're launching Empathy. And John reaches out to me and he's like, hey, we want to do this video on whatever. And he's like, what do you think? And I was like, yeah, of course. It's Gary Vaynerchuk. What do, like, how, when do you need me there? So we end up, I fly out to New York and we were supposed to shoot with Gary that day and they, they screwed up his booking and he was in Chicago. He had to like leave for Chicago that morning. And so we end up shooting all throughout New York and then he comes out to Napa. We shoot there. But I think what happened was like all of this stuff like just happened in the wrong way. And so the content never got released. So I did, I did interview Gary Vaynerchuk. I did film with VaynerMedia. Nothing ever came of it. But John and I are still friends and I still, you know, feel nothing like has come of it yet. Nothing has come of it yet. Yes. Not in that, not in that way. Right. No, the content was never re released, but of course you can't, you can't quantify for the, uh, the other things that will happen as a result of that. Right. So, right. I mean, and so, I, yeah. I peeped it. I was like, whoa. Yeah. No, that was super cool. Cause that's like when you're, that's, that's a meeting the idol moment. Yeah. And I have to tell you, it was super cool about him. You know, he always seems like he's going, 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 and he is going a mile a minute. But when he sat down for that 15 minute interview, it was him. It was me. We were the only two people in the yeah, room. He I've, was undistracted. I, I, I came up with him, but he was so busy working. He, you know, in the late nineties, he was taking over his family business when I was working in, mm. in New York, New Jersey area. But one thing I've always heard about him is he's, when he's with you, he's present. So present. He, 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 like, he is like ADD as fuck. He's just, he's just yes. full of energy. But he, when he sits with you, like, 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 it, it's, it's very interesting because, like, you, like, you, like, you know, there's so many, you know, I always think of a uh, training day. Denzel, he's like, you know, this is a paper. Nine, nine, 99% is bullshit. This is the internet. This is, <laughs> this is social media. 99% of it is bullshit. Yeah. You know? But like, when he talks about being empathetic, I mean, I'm like, like he, you're like, he's like, just get you. He's like, you can tell in his tonality yeah. and in his mannerisms, like he, you know, um, he, you know, it, it comes across to me. So, and I'm pretty good reader of people. So that's you really, seen that way. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, that is banana. So, all right. So <clears throat> California knows how to party. Sure do. Tell me about like, uh, like your epic, your epic wine nights. Like what was your most epic wine night? Like personally, like yeah. Well, I think the big secret with me is I'm not actually a huge drinker. Okay, so that makes sense. Yeah, because 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 <laughs> that was a problem when I started. I was too much into the drinking and not into the serving. Like so, you have to. Yeah, you have people. And me, me and Dustin, I talked about that. Dustin Wilson when he was on, I was like, you know, there is that, there is that, there is the restaurant business. <laughs> yes, is wild. It is, and it's it, it will wild. suck you in. It'll suck you in. Yeah, you know. Like, you know, you work, you work, you work, you get off at like midnight, you're not going out. You ain't got to be back in until like three <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> what do you guys got there? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> you yeah. know, like it, it can suck you in. I so, so yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think, you know, when I came out to Napa, Kelly was very quick to identify 
at least with me, she said, you know, you're going to need to have a hobby. Like you're going to have to have something outside this restaurant or you're going to lose your mind. Mm-hmm. I think she was right. And I think um, ha- starting Saint Vivant sort of was an answer to that and having – my, uh, I guess, you know, people say you're five, like, what's your five to nine? For me, it was my nine to five because right. I worked at restaurants. So I was already in my five to nine. <laughs> so my nine to five was zombie bonds, so, which meant that if I was going to be productive and create content, I couldn't be out, you know, not that you can in Napa Valley because where the fuck are you going to go? Ponches? Right. No. <laughs> not happening. Um, and I still, not that it's like a badge of honor, but like I still have never been to Ponches. I've been to Anna's once. Um, I'm sure they're great. It's just like not my jam. I don't drink to drink. I don't drink to get drunk. If right. I could drink wine all day and not get drunk, that would be far right. superior than the alternative. Right. Right. Um, so, okay. So epic wine nights. So, I mean, I've had like far more fun. This is so nerdy, like serving wine than I probably have. Like, <laughs> no, I, I mean, <laughs> like I, drinking I, it myself. I, I can totally see that. Um, even though, so yeah. So, okay. So what, like, what, like what wine dinner, what wines did you pull? And just the people were just blown away and you were excited because you were like, you know what? If you really want to try something, because people yeah. might, might be like, I want, and there's, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've got some dope vintages of Opus One, but you're like, you know what? You need to try yeah. this. Well, okay. So we've had some like very baller nights with this guy that always, that comes in fairly regularly. Um, and he, you know, he'll buy everything, like anything that's expensive. Was like it's, a dot com guy from San Francisco? Um, it's not. Okay. And I, I, I'm, I'm not asking for the no, name. No, I'm not, no, 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 no. I'm names. trying to, I'm trying to describe him without like totally giving it away right, right. because I think most people in Napa Valley at this point know him. Right. Um, he doesn't live there. He's, um, he's, he does own a winery, uh, but he's, you know, he's, he's an Ohio guy. Okay. Um, anyway, super nice. Um, but like, you know, spends stupid amounts on, on wine with us and is, you know, it's always very good wine. Um, those are, are really fun nights, but they're not my most memorable. The ones that are usually the most memorable are like the little, you know, the nights where like someone will come in and like, I remember there was this guy that came in and he was like, I want like... Um, you know, three really good bottles, but I'm not really sure what to get. And one of them happened to be the 74 Heights Marthas and his mind was fucking blown. He didn't know anything about it. I got to talk through the whole story. And so for me, that was like that wine went to such a good home. Like someone who didn't even know that the 74 Heights Marthas was as wonderful as it was. He just happened to see this. He was like, why is this wine $2,600? And I was like, all right, we'll go through that. Damn, I've had that wine before. Yeah. I mean, it's like pretty a good. a few times. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so like nights like that. I didn't, I didn't buy it. No. Just for the record. No, they're so expensive. <laughs> they are, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> so, but I like what you said, it went to a good home, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's but, always what you want for your children, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not like, uh, some, some gauche person yeah. like, give me the most expensive yeah. bottle of wine. But I think probably one of my favorite memories was uh, Todd Newman, who owns Dakota Shy. This is fairly early into my my career. He he is a lover of old Napa Valley wines, and one of the first shots he gave me at selecting a bottle for him, I kind of crushed it. Um, and I I say that because like we still talk about it. And actually, that was the reason that I selected the wine that I did for Psalm TV, which was the seventy nine Phelps Isley. So he, that was the very first bottle of seventy eight Phelps Isley that I ever served, and mm-hmm. that was to Todd, and. I still remember his reaction and my reaction. We were both in tears. It was just magical. Like you can't – wines like that, like they have a soul. They And I, I say that in like the most objective way possible. Like there is just something unquantifiable about it and you can't describe it other than to say like it just moves you in a way that, I, you know, maybe a, a beautiful symphony might or, you know <laughs> – 
I don't even know. Like, I don't, I don't, except for like maybe the pursuit of happiness. Like, when was the last time you cried over, you know, anything? Yeah, yeah. Um, except for COVID and, you know, maybe the election. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, so, so they're drinking the wine. They're totally like drinking the wine and swirling it. And then all of a sudden, like, like in it's their heads, just, just cold play just comes on. Tears stream Seriously. down your face. Seriously, though. When you drink something yeah. that you could not replay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, and it is, it is, um, it's a living, breathing thing, and um, that's a special vineyard. I mean, oh God, when just oh, when you say something like uh, Phelps Easley, wow, yeah, seventy eight, yeah, that's the that's the vintage, man. That wine is just it won't die. I'm quite convinced of that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I I know like you know you think of Baller Night, you're like we had. Every vintage of DRC, Screamy Eagle, Heart, but like exactly. I don't know those those nights are like you know they're cool like they have happened for sure but like they're just not as like no they're not exciting. as I mean yeah I mean I get what you're saying I mean yeah. I mean because what happens I mean I've that's why I moved out to California we have this millennial we had a crazy millennial dinner it was bananas and you know but by the end of the night like. Okay, you're drinking Cheval Blanc from the bottle because yeah. you're, you're like, ah, or you're gonna, yeah. like, it's an epic night. You yeah, know? but I will um, say when we hosted, we did uh, Napoli. So that was I, – I started this thing at Press a couple of years ago that was a take on La Palais where we okay. had basically the you know, same celebration. Mm-hmm. All Napa Valley vintners and people who love Napa Valley wines came in, brought their own wine. And that was that kind of night, but it was different. Like it was baller and it was super cool, but that was also like another magical moment. That was probably like my favorite night ever. Both of those Napoles in a press. I don't think they're doing it again though. No, no. It was kind of like a, I don't, I don't know how to describe that, but that was a fun night and something that I probably a memory. Like the thing that I'm probably most proud of, like starting and doing and executing was like, you know, it wasn't perfect, but it was beautiful. And no, that's kind yeah. of badass too. Like, like you, you're like you're totally a creator, right? You're really a creative. I like, love creating and, things, and I and I love how you found a way to, um, like you like even in wine, like you create an event, like people like you know you created like a Sundance Film Festival, or whatever. What <laughs> like, I mean, I'm, I don't know. Um, I always love projects in school. That was always my thing, like project, like putting things together and creating. I don't know. I just love it. So actually, so, you know, you, you, you're talent, but you're also like a producer. I have discovered as of late, that is my, maybe my next calling to some degree is like a little bit of, a little bit more production. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, that's, that's really, that's really cool. So, all right. So you're not a big drinker. I get it. That's cool. But like, what's, what's the most, (laughs) um, what's, what's, what is the bottle of wine with that 78 was, what, what what was your favorite wine experience? Like you tasted one, 70, you said a 78 was really good, but like, like, okay, let's put it this way. So you said. 2004 Groth Reserve, <laughs> yep. right? So yep. then what was the bottle of wine, though, like that got you hooked that you're like, okay, I want to study wine. So like it's probably even before press. Like what was the bottle yeah. of wine? Like the French guy was like, you need to drink this. Like what was – or, or I don't know. What was, the, what was the bottle of wine? And you're like, oh, wow, this is – wine yeah. is crazy. I'm, just, I'm like – I'm not evading your questions, I promise. I just didn't have an epiphany bottle. Okay. It was like – it was such a – it was such an organic ex- – like to me, again, it, was, it wasn't It was about the wine. It was about how I felt while I was drinking it and about like what it was doing. Okay. So I can ask you – see, I went to law school. I can re- – I'll rephrase. Okay. So <laughs> – Redirect. Redirect. I, I know, I'll rephrase. So <laughs> what – what can you describe like – so you have like this really 
spiritual connection to the bottle and like and that's that's wine like when you like when you watch like my favorite psalm movie is psalm into the bottle with the winemakers mm-hmm. like you know like when people just pick up the soil and you know like that's like so you have this connection so what was a wine you were drinking when you had like this just like just wonderful like my soul feels happy i am on the right track can you uh, think of one uh, early on <laughs> <laughs> early on um Okay, so the first the first time I ever put together a food and wine pairing, okay, it was for Arno. He was like he ordered scallops for lunch because I don't know why. Because um, they're scallops. Because he's French. They're delicious. <laughs> they're delicious. So he ordered scallops for lunch. He goes find me a wine pair that I go okay. So he I grab the Palme d'Or champagne. It was a vintage champagne. I don't remember what vintage. Uh, Palme d'Or is. Um... Who is that? I, don't, I know. It's, it's that weird it's the bottle. Weird, yeah. The, it's a bottle that looks like the honeycombs. Like yes, those, yeah. exactly. Who is that, though? Um, oh, why is that escaping me? It's uh, not, no, Tattinger's comfortable. Who is Paul? I know. Or? I was like, I thought it was Tattinger, too. It's I know, not. it's not. It's somewhere. It's like that house. But anyway, we're bad, anyway. We're bad we're, that's just so bad. We're too <laughs> wine. I just feel like I'm so many eggs here. I know. Holy shit. We're like, <laughs> and like, and all these whistle ones are like, it's blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, I know. I need a podcast. I know. I. You don't. I could have been the wine director at press. <laughs> you couldn't. <laughs> but anyway. You could try. I know, right? Um, I don't know who it is. Who cares? I'm looking. I can see the bottle. It's I know. I can too. Right and I'm, I'm anyway, dying right anyway, now. Anyway, so, we'll so, so you grab the palm door. So I have the palm door. And. Which, by the way, that's from. That's the award they give at a Cannes Film Festival for you people. So we're not idiots here, okay? We, we know what we're doing here. That's right. So, so we, know, we actually know the story behind the bottle. That's right. Bro. And I, I remember kind of how it tasted. Um, but yeah, so I. I I paired the scallop dish with the Palme d'Or champagne and he was like, take a bite of the scallop, drink the champagne. And I was like, oh, that's delicious. And then he was like, hold that thought. He was like, that's a delicious pairing. But he was like, watch this. And he decanted it. And I was like. He decanted champagne. He decanted champagne. Boom. Now we got a story. Yeah. So he decanted the champagne and he was like, now try it. And he removed just a little, just enough of the effervescence for more of the texture to come out of it and play with the scallop. And that was the first time where I was like, holy fuck, someone just threw color on my canvas. It was like I had never tasted scallops before. I had never tasted champagne before. And all of a sudden together, it was like this magical explosion oh, in my mouth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that was the moment where I was like, this all is starting to make sense culturally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. This is starting to come together for me. And that I don't I don't think it was specifically that wine. I don't think it was specifically that dish. It was just the moment where I was like, oh, food and wine pairing is a real thing. And that's why I'm interested. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Oh, Nicholas Foyette. I was going to say Foyette. I knew it was Foyette. Uh, I was going to say that. I knew it was Nicholas Foyette. Nikki F. It actually yeah. came to me and I was like, but I'm not going to play myself because I don't want to pay for it. I don't want to pay for an edit. <laughs> 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 but I was, I was like, that's Nikki F. That's why it's so funny because you don't – yeah, anyway, Nikki F. Nikki F. Um, so – like what's going on? What's next for you? Because oh yeah, because here's something. I, so you, interestingly enough, you you created this following. It's amazing. Thanks. Create incredible content. Thanks. Um, and then I remember you made like an announcement, like you're leaving press. Yep. And this is before COVID. And now look, look now with COVID and <laughs> restaurants, like you're looking like a freaking genius. I so yeah, like exactly like like well, like what kind of um what led to the decision to leave and kind of like what's next? Yes, great question. Um. 
I am not a genius. I just... I just play one on Instagram. I just play one on Instagram. <laughs> Very good at it. Um, yeah. So I obviously have been doing this for a few years now. And the goal always was to build my own following so that I could take it with me wherever I want. And that was advice that I had gotten fairly early on in my career. Even before I had gotten to press, I was talking with a casting agent and she was like, you know, I think Twitter and Instagram are going to be a thing. You should. Right. You Have should you ever read a thousand true fans by Kevin Kelly? It's my favorite essay of all time. I love. Yes. Yes. It is. I recommend it on every podcast. Yeah, yeah, I'm always yeah, like, Have yeah. you ever read Kevin Kelly's thousand true fans? I know. I know we're going to get the yeah, thousand true fans. It's the best. Yeah. Yes. So long tail, build your following. Yep. They will come with you. Um, so yeah, I, I, I built this following and I didn't know you have to understand. I ate shit for a really long time. Yeah. I like, I'm, I know you do. So yeah. I, when I was at press, I was like, I was the Instagram girl, right? Like, <laughs> literally. They're like, oh, the Instagram girl. Like, oh, Instagram all right, girl. whatever. So I didn't know what I was doing. I just did it because I was like, this seems like a thing. I read the essay. I read a few other things. Instagram, other places outside the industry seem to be taking off. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, if it's big in the fashion world and every other sector of every other industry, perhaps this will be big here. Mm-hmm. So I took a chance on that. So I built all that up and I didn't know what I was going to do or where it was going to go. I just knew that I needed to do it. And so when I got the job as wine director, I had fully anticipated being there for a lot longer because I thought it was going to take a lot longer. But as it turned out, after about a year and change, I was like, you know, I actually have a lot going on outside of press right now. And I am finding myself like getting, you know, getting pulled away. Mm-hmm. And it's not fair to either of these situations. So I need to make a choice. And the restaurant was starting to like, you know, sort of pivot in a different direction. There was a new chef there. They, they were doing different things. And I was like, I just don't think that this is a place that I need to be right now, especially when I have these other things happening. And like, it wasn't perfect. I didn't have a million things lined up. I wasn't mm-hmm. like, I think everybody expected the announcement to be like, now I'm going to go do this. I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do. Right. I just was like, I have these other things and I think I need to see where it's going to go. And like, I think I have enough money to make this happen. But if I don't, then like, whatever, like we'll, I'll work at Starbucks. Who cares? So I, I gave my notice. Um, I, also tried to time it so that they wouldn't be fucked for harvest. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I gave my notice directly after Premier Napa Valley, which meant that they would have had at that time, it was end of February, they would have had March, April, May, June, July, August to get themselves together to get ready for harvest, which has traditionally always been the busiest season for Napa Valley and the busiest time for press. It's like, it's hell season. Like you cannot take a day off. So I gave my notice and then Literally two weeks later, COVID Mm -hmm. is like a very big thing. There are press conferences. And the world needed virtual content. Everything pivoted. And I was right there, ready to go. And it was purely accidental that it worked out that way. Um, And I'm still figuring it out. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know, you know, when I I try to put piece together a bio or, you know, a little elevator pitch of who I am, I don't know. I'm at this intersection that you explained so eloquently earlier where like, I do this, I do that. They kind of come together. I sometimes make money off it. That's great. Yeah. Um, where am I going? I don't know. I mean, I'm hosting this this podcast that's coming out on uh, a Thursday. I don't know when this podcast is being released, but it, it's, by now it's probably out. What's the name um, of your podcast? Go so on. my podcast is Wine Access Unfiltered. Um, it's very different than this one. Um, so we talk to non-wine people. So we talk to like athletes, musicians, comedians. Um, and it's really just an excuse for Vanessa and I to drink and talk to people that we're fans well, of. Well, I mean, we're going to – this. You know, the, I was going to call this Beats, Wines, and Life, and that be, might become our byline because, you know, I do a lot of music and wine yeah. pairing. So so I'm not just going to talk to wine people, but just I, just as a black wine, I came out the gate. Yeah. Some, but, um, yeah, we're, we're actually um, – I 
yeah, I want to, you know, this is, it, it, yeah, I love that you're doing that because it's, this isn't going to just be restricted to wine people because I could, I mean, like I, I on my, on my little small email list that I've started, yeah. cause I, you know, it's a shit ton of winemakers and yeah. they, they actually read the emails. It's really cool. And they respond. It's so much fun. Well, good for you. That's and, awesome. And, and like, you know, they want to, they want to come in. They were like, Oh, I want to be on your podcast, but we're, we, we, you know, um, we, we actually, my producer and I, Necessary Media, we, we really like this like kind of format. Um, and so we like to have people here. Like we, you know, if a fucking second wave goes off, like it's starting, then we're going to have to pivot and, that's what do, it's all about, right? Remote shit. Yeah, it's so I mean it's just and I'm an athlete, you gotta pivot, you know. <laughs> you know, you gotta <laughs> cut back, you gotta slash. But yeah, you know. I'm um, the opposite of an athlete. <laughs> what's <laughs> I'm like the least athletic person. I was a dancer and that was like so I'm that, like athletic. Wait, no, that, that's my cousin is a dancer. That's so, that's like athletic as hell. It is very athletic, but it is not an athlete and like I cannot play a team sport. Or, you know, move a racket in the right direction. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, but for, yeah, I get what you're yeah. saying. But, anyway. But, 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 yeah, but so like, so yeah, no, totally. So, and people like, you know, so like, yeah, you guys like, I know like Vanessa Conlon who's a master of wine because like I, for the non-wine people, because we're not just having wine people, for you non-wine people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I know she interviewed like Carmelo way back when. Yeah. And, and so like, who are some of the, who, like, can you give us a taste? Like who's coming on? Like who, like who, who yeah. you so hung the, out and she drank wine with and you kind of like sip wine with? Yeah. I, I just, <laughs> we, we both gently sip, although there have been a few bottles that like we've probably drank too much of throughout the course, but that's okay. Um, yeah, we've had, um, let's see, the first three episodes will be Carly Pierce, who's uh, a country music artist. Oh, wow. Um, Brad Williams, who is a comedian with a couple like Netflix and Amazon specials. And, um, we're working on it. We got some, we got some comedians. We like, we're working nice. on it. I love comedy so much. Uh, so um, do I. I think I'm funny. I think I'm funny too. You're pretty I'm funny, not. but we're not like you know <laughs> we, we're, we're like funnier than most people, but like not comedian funny. No, that shit not. is brutal. That is brutal. People don't realize, man. I was yeah, I, yeah. Um, and then Tiki Barber, he's relating. Tiki Barber. Tiki Barber loves wine. Yeah. Yeah. See, damn it. He's pretty good looking. I'm I'm good looking. He's, he's pretty. He's fucking, handsome, yeah. and there's two of him because he has a twin. I know. What's his um, What's his brother's name? Um, I don't know. He played. Well, his brother actually played, <laughs> he played for, for t- Tampa Bay. Yeah, Tampa. And they, he won the Super Bowl. He picked off. He he got a pick off. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, oh, but Tiki Barber was a giant guy. But anyway, yeah. yeah. Tiki was cool. Nomar Garcia Para, who uh, was Nomar. Short- yeah, Is, he's married to an athlete, right? Mia Hamm. That's right. Man. Yeah, yeah. Shit. Ah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so we've got some some cool people on the podcast. And That's cool. Yeah, I you know I think the podcasting thing is cool. I I had wanted to start a podcast for a long time, and I just. Didn't uh, I did I just didn't. Um. Yeah, me too. I, I've been threatening <laughs> to do it for like five years. Yeah. Fortunately, I was on someone else's podcast this spring, and then my producer saw me, and she's like, "Hey, I think you could use some help." I'm like, "Yeah, I Ew. guess I could because <laughs> so you said you were going to start a podcast because otherwise I would not be here. I wouldn't be here. I'd be like." Well, what's cool is there's room. And I think for a long time, there, I, I won't call him out, but I know that there was a particular podcaster in this wine space that was like, there can only be one wine podcast. It's not true. There can be many. Oh, yeah. And they can all be great. And we're all different. <clears throat> right. We're and all different. And, and you're I, so great at what you do. And your content you. is wonderful. And I, I'm so happy that you have enjoyed this success that you've enjoyed. Um, and I think it's it only goes up from here. Yeah. So I'm Thank excited you. to I really see appreciate that. what episodes one through four and six through whatever go look oh, like. Oh, yeah. They're going to – it's probably going to get crazy. Um, yeah? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you seem normal. 
I don't know I, what happens I, I after mean, the podcast, I mean, but I'm you not, seem I normal mean, now. I am normal. I hold it together. But I'm crazy. When does it get crazy for you? At what point? I don't know. Is it three I mean, bottles, two bottles, tequila? It's no, nah, I don't do hard. I don't drink hard liquor. <sighs> no. I learned that lesson when okay. I was younger. I do not drink hard liquor. So it's anymore. just the juice. Yeah, it's just the juice. Uh, and I do enjoy a beer. I do enjoy beer. Okay. Um. um but um. No, when I say crazy, like you know, like this has been a really fun episode. You're you guys are all great. This has been really fun because like fun. there's a lot of witty banter going back and forth. You know, but sometimes like it it's. Like, I will go as far as the guests will go. Yeah. But, like, you know, I I, I just realized, like, sometimes I'm like, damn, some of the shit I the shit I grew up listening to and the shit I used to say is not PC. And I'm like, make sure that doesn't fly out my mouth. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I'm not that guy. But, like, it's just it's generationally. We talk, like, 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 you know, like. Totally. Like. You know, so I like, can't say the things my mom said. Right. I mean, like I've watched Eddie Murphy's special on he was oh, he was on something. He was like, when you look at like raw and delirious, and like he's like, yeah, man, I couldn't say that nowadays. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so it's just it. That's all I'm saying. But um, no, um, I really appreciate what you said, and I I'm just thank you for coming. Like, so where can people? Find out more of Amanda. Where can I find more of Amanda McCross and give people where they can find you? Yeah, they can find me on the gram. They can find me on YouTube. They can find me. I think we're on all of the podcast platforms with Wine Axis Unfiltered. Um, and uh, what's your handle again? Oh, for... thank you. I'm at Som Vivant. So S-O-M-M-V-I-V-A-N-T. And... Yeah, I'm I'm very present in the DMs as we've learned. Yeah, so I yeah, love yeah. I love talking to people in there. It's not like a post and like see you never. I really love the conversations that I have. Yeah, and they're related. I've honestly I've gotten to know like the best. Well, people. Th- that's like like that's what people so awesome. like like Gary V said like dip into some, send someone a DM and it like literally like like in the DMs. It, it really does like everyone who's come on the show owes a DM. Yes, you know and 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 they're like yeah dude I'll come on your show. I hired a sommelier from the DMs. Taylor Bolton Harvey was. Literally, he saw something that I posted and he was like, how good was that wine? I was like, it was delicious. He was like, by the way, are you hiring? And I was like, actually, I am. (laughs) (laughs) We still talk about, but it's so cool. Like, to me, this is the world we live in now. And to not embrace it and and capitalize on it, like, you're just doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. It's all free. Instagram's free. Yeah. For the most part, unless, you know, the algorithm gets you. But Well, yeah, exactly. They 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 got me. I was getting a lot of mail. I'm like, oh, they they adjusted me. They're like, you know. But, um, hey, listen – if you're not one of the 23,000 people following <laughs> at Psalm Vivant. There's a lot of people on the planet who – there's more people on the planet who don't follow me than well, do. I know. So. But, but you know, um, you should be. Um, Amanda McCross, and thank you so much. Uh, God, listen, uh, you're a friend of the show. Thanks. We're going to have you back for sure. Good. I'm, I'm, I would love to come back and, yeah. and get a little wittier and maybe crazier. And- yeah. We'll, 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 we'll do something different. We'll, we'll warm up. We'll have like – we'll have a warm-up <laughs> bottle and then like – You'll make me say well, you'll well, make me say cunt three times. Yeah, and then, exactly. Okay. Like, like, you know, like I think Tim Ferriss does like drunk shows. We'll have we'll have like a really tipsy show. You know. <laughs> All right, guys. This is MJ, the Black Wine Guy. Until the next time. Cheers to the Mavericks, the philosophers, the deep thinkers, and the wine drinkers. Uh, we'll catch you later. Another episode of Black Wine Guy podcast. Remember, if you want to be on the insiders list, go to blackwineguy.com, and I will see you on the gram at Black Wine Guy. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. You had some fun while you were here. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. 
And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com and get on our email list. 